Hey. Hi. Here's your reminder that you are worthy and capable exactly as you are in this moment. Really? There's nothing wrong with the core of you and who you are. I think you're right. If you want to be a hot girl, then you are a hot girl. I am? If you want to do Pilates, you can do Pilates. Yes, I can. And never let anyone tell you any differently. I won't. Let's start the show. Let's go. Hey, bad bees. How are you doing? I am back. And I know it has been a hot minute since I recorded a podcast. And I'm so grateful for the folks who reached out to me and asked me when the podcast was coming back because they missed it and they enjoyed it. So thank you. And I'm so glad to be back. In this episode, I'm going to get into a little bit of why I haven't been on the podcast recently because it ties into a lot of what's been going on in my life in the past couple of months. So this episode is called How to Quit Your Job. You may or may not know that I recently quit my job at a local studio and all of my private clientele. And the reason for that I want to get into today and I'm hoping that this episode can give you, if you're in a similar situation, maybe just a feeling of being less alone, or maybe even a push to make a change in your own life that you might be needing or craving. So I want to backtrack a bit and get into why I even started teaching private clients and teaching at a studio in the first place. Because I started RPS and my online classes, you know, about two and a half years ago, and that was always what I wanted to do full time. Right away, it felt like the best job I'd ever had. And it's so special to me the way that this community builds each other up, and each member of the RPS community is as big of a part of it as I am. Um, It's pretty amazing, and I just knew that this is what I wanted to do. However, our culture, my parents, my fiancé's parents, all of the opinions of other people weighed on me. I'm not going to lie. And sometimes when I would tell people about what I wanted to do in my dreams, sometimes I'd get a look like, huh, aw, like... (laughs) You think you can do that? Wow, that's sweet. (laughs) Now, I don't know. Like, I might be have have been projecting this entirely. Um, So I want to say that everyone in my life, you know, my parents and my in-laws and everything, like, they're all amazing and and very kind and supportive. But I think that there's this natural um, culture in the, especially the generation that my parents are in, that tells us we need to have some stability, we need to make sure we pick a job, um, and that we save as much as possible, and that we're always saving for a rainy day. Can anyone else relate to that? Because even when I applied for college and I wanted to do dance, just dance, my dad was like, there's no way you are going to school for just dance. (laughs) And I completely understand why he said that. Um, 
So I ended up doing a double major. I did plant soil, insect science, and dance. In hindsight, I think it was fine, and I absolutely am so grateful for my plant soil, insect science degree. Am I using it? Absolutely not, you know? Um, And it definitely made it harder to graduate because I had a double major, and I was doing the honors program, and it was just a lot. And I often would kind of resent it, like, oh, I wish I had just been able to do dance. I saw other dance majors who were just doing dance, getting a BFA, and I was jealous. I was thinking, if I had that opportunity, I'd be doing better in dance, but I have all these credits I need to get and all of these high-level courses um, that I'm trying to complete because of what my parents want for me, you know? So that kind of mindset has followed me throughout my life, and... I mean, I started working when I was 14, and I instantly started saving money. That was what I was taught to do, and in a lot of ways, saving money and having a savings was how I felt valuable. I can honestly say that. I think it was one of the things that I thought would make my parents proud of me. So, yeah, I mean, that's very real. (laughs) So... I've always had that mindset of saving, working, and when I got out of college, I instantly had like three jobs at once. Now, as a dancer, I mean, I joke about this, but it's it really is living in poverty, a lot of it, um, if you don't work other jobs, unless you are one of, you know, the lucky few who are able to make a full-time living dancing um, or choreographing and um that is a great job if you can make enough money. But most of my friends couldn't, and I absolutely couldn't. So I was working two different cafes and with like two different companies in New York, trying to make enough to survive. And even then, I didn't have enough money to afford an apartment that I thought was like livable. (laughs) Um, So, and that wasn't like all the way out in Coney Island, essentially. Um, So that, just that hustle and that culture and that that desire to keep saving because you just never know when you're going to need it. Like that's been something that I have to actively battle. And I think I still have some desire to like know that I have a cushion, that I am safe financially because, you know, I think that's, that's part of being human. We want to feel secure, you know? So anyway, how does this tie into, (laughs) why I started working jobs. So I think in the Pilates world, getting private clients is pretty much um, the highest value that you can sort of achieve. And don't get me wrong, like teaching group classes and having sold out group classes is another like metric for success in Pilates for sure. But in the Pilates world that I was in, having a ton of private clients was really the most valued uh, thing to do. So before the pandemic, I had a very full schedule. I was doing about six privates a day, and then I would do like two or three group classes every uh, few days as well, and then I would have one day off. And then toward the end, right before the shutdown, I actually had no days off. Um, but I was hustling. I was saving money. I was like, oh, this is, this is what I need to do. Meanwhile, physically I'm falling apart. I don't have a practice. I'm not moving my own body. 
Um, my hair is literally falling out. <laughs> I'm having really bad breakouts. I'm snapping at people like in my life, not my clients, <laughs> you know, but I'm snapping at my partner. I, I don't have much patience. I'm, I'm losing track of my friendships because I'm not giving them time um, to grow. And they, shout out to my friends because they have been with me through everything. Anyways, so when the shutdown happened, I instantly was like, oh, this is amazing. I, and I know that's such a privileged position to be in um, to say that, but I, I was like, whoa, what was I doing? I felt like I was just this hamster on a wheel and I was just letting myself fall apart. I was having some chronic pain. I was having, you know, all these bad symptoms. And I was like, whoa, I think that was burnout. I think what I felt was burnout. And that was a big, big moment for me to realize that I needed to step back. As soon as I did that, and I started teaching online and my hours were reasonable. I started to flourish. Like my body felt better. My chronic pain went away. I improved my friendships. I improved my relationship. You know, I got a dog, which is one of the best things I've ever done for myself. And I really cherished that. But of course, as the world started to open up again, those same uh, pressures started to creep up in my mind. Like I need to have, I need to be making a certain amount of money. I need to have a certain amount of security. And I started to work with private clients again, which was fabulous. And all my private clients are incredible and were incredible. And I'm so grateful for each and every one, but it's really challenging to balance clients on a schedule. Um, when there's a lot of changing back and forth and when you're working with a lot of private clients, if anyone on here does something similar, you know, it's incredibly draining, right? So I'm doing that, but at the same time, I wasn't, I still wasn't making enough money to feel like I was making my parents proud, you know, which is so funny. It's like at the end of the day, is that really all that people want is kind of silly, but that's how I felt. And I felt some pressure to get back into a studio. So I'm looking around and I see there's a studio right down the street and they offer me the job and it's very convenient. It's a W2 job. I can just go in, go out. Um, it was feeding me. It was giving me that in-person interaction that I, um, I felt like I might be missing, you know, and all of a sudden, all these demands and everything started to grow. RPS was growing. My private client base was growing and my business and my work at the studio was growing. And all of a sudden I'm starting to feel those same signs of burnout. Now, let me tell you, if you can catch burnout before it's too late, like for some reason, this is human nature. We wait until shit hits the fan, right? Before we make a change. And because I had had this experience before, I knew some of the signs that I was approaching burnout. And, you know, my hair was starting to shed a lot. I was feeling a bit more irritable. I was not prioritizing my own movement practice 
And overall, and, and I was starting to get really bad breakouts again, you know, my hormonal acne. Now there's a lot of reasons I was taking medication for that and I stopped. So of course that contributed, I was taking spironolactone, but still, even on that medication, my skin was getting pretty bad. And, um, definitely one of the biggest signs for me is like not prioritizing my own practice. So that starts happening and I'm going, Oh no, like (laughs) I got to make a change, but what are people going to think? Like I, I find I was, I'm making enough money with RPS to walk away from private clients, to walk away from group classes. Like I'm making a number that I feel comfortable with. And still I'm like, oh no, people are going to think, what are they going to say? And one of the big things here that was preventing me from stepping back, even though like I was making enough money, enough money to feel secure, right? Was disappointing people. And let me just tell you, you're going to disappoint people. And I think at this point, a sign of success is allowing yourself to disappoint people and allowing yourself to say no and quitting what isn't working for you. And that is so hard, so damn hard. I was thinking the other day that um, making that step was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done, but here's what really pushed me. I remembered how shitty I felt before we all shut down and just how bad that was on me mentally and physically. And I knew that I didn't want to get back to that place because I had already started taking care of myself. I had felt the benefits of what it was like to have a life where I was able to show up for myself and feel like I could nourish my friendships and my relationships and my family dynamics. So I let myself quit. And I was like, I just hit a wall where I was thinking, I just can't do this anymore. I just can't. Um, And that's hard because some of the relationships I've built with private clients over the years have been, you know, really fulfilling, incredibly um, close relationships. You know, I've I've known people for five plus years and quitting on them definitely led to disappointment, you know? Um, and that, that is a hard feeling to carry. It's like, but, but the thing is, there's really no good way to do it. You're going to have to sit in that uncomfortable feeling. If there's one thing I've learned in my life, that uncomfortable place is where the most incredible things can happen. So I quit my private clients. I quit my job at the studio and I just had my very last day this week. And now that I'm able to do RPS full time, it just feels like such a dream come true. I already feel much better. I feel like my skin has gotten better. Like a lot of this could be just, you know, placebo effect or something, but I can feel a difference. I can feel a difference in my patience with my partner and I also feel like this really strong sense of hope and gratitude. The gratitude is immense. And again, I just, I know that this is such a, I'm in such a lucky position to be able to do this. Um, And I don't take that for granted. 
I, I also suggest if you're someone in a similar situation, you know, like don't put yourself in a position where, you know, you are going to be living on the, on the fringe. Like you're going to be really stressed out financially. I I don't recommend that. You know, I've for much of my life, um, you know, sacrificed a bit of like my own practice and, and certain aspects of my life just to make sure that I was financially stable because, um, you know, I grew up with uncertain, insecure, you know, financial means. And that was something I didn't want for myself. Now I want to get a little bit into having a plan B because in the dance world, I feel like it's almost frowned upon to have a backup plan or a plan B. So I remember one time a dancer telling me that I really looked up to in one of the programs I was doing in LA, like, you got to have no plan B. You've got to risk it all because that's the only time that you're going to be able to push yourself to the point of making it work. Now, is that um, sound advice, maybe for some people, you know, I think if you don't, if you aren't able to go 100% all the way in, it's okay. Sometimes you've got to take care of yourself first, like mentally. Now, if you're lucky enough to say, oh, I believe in myself so much. I feel like I got this. I'm going 100%. Um, ama- amazing. I'm so happy for you. You know, I wasn't able to do that. It took me two and a half years to get to that point um, where I felt confident, where I'm like, okay, I can make a living. I'm going to be able to pay my bills and, you know, I'm going to be okay financially. So I can do my, what is my passion? What is my life's work full time? But as far as a plan B, while I don't have a plan B in my head, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do if X, Y, Z goes wrong. I also trust myself, like, I'm going to make it work. (laughs) You know, I know that if I need to, I can go get a job as a barista. I can go get a job teaching at a studio. Like, I trust myself and my skills to be able to figure it out. I think that's important. You don't necessarily need a plan B, but I do think it's important to trust that you have the skills to figure it out if shit hits the fan, you know? So anyways, there's a little life update for you, how to quit your job (laughs) and some tips and some advice on that. And I can honestly say that while there were a few people who were definitely disappointed um, in my decision, overwhelmingly people have been congratulating me and have been so happy for me. And I think most people understand that if you can work for yourself and if you can, um, make your passion, your career, um, that that's a really lucky position to be in. So I think most people have just been so incredibly kind and and gracious. Um, so I'm so, so grateful for that. You know, and, and I think sometimes people have asked me, so are you just teaching online now? Like you're only teaching online. Yes. I'm, I'm essentially only teaching online. However, 
now that I'm doing RPS full time, I really do feel excited about the possibility for more in-person events. So those will definitely be coming. Um, but one thing I've noticed is that the online space has actually brought me um, so many people who are just like me. I don't know if anyone listening can relate to this, but I feel like for a lot of my life, I felt a bit like a black sheep. Like it was hard to feel fully accepted. I wasn't sure why I wouldn't be invited to certain things or why it seemed like I just wasn't connecting with people in a way that other people could, um, in friendships. I mean, this started in like middle school, you know, and as I got older, the same thing. Um, now I don't think you need to have a ton of friends and I think just having a couple friends is great, but it definitely still hurts to not feel fully accepted or welcome, um, in like certain friend groups, you know? And I have to tell you that through the internet and through social media and through RPS, I have found the most incredible connections with people who are just like me. And gosh, I'm so grateful for that. And I know that sometimes the internet gets a bad rep, but wow, like it has changed my life. It's made me feel like I belong. And that's something I'll always be grateful for. And I will never consider online as a substitute or a lesser than to me it's it's the best thing like i have never found a sense of community and belonging that i found through the internet so i will never um, see it as negative it is so so special to me and if you are someone who feels similar i just want to remind you like just because some people have a bad experience on the internet, like that doesn't have to be your story. You know, you, you can just have your own story and your own experience with the internet. And if yours is positive, don't let other people convince you that it's not, you know, I did get a question from someone asking about essentially the difference between working at a corporate studio for Pilates versus working at a boutique, a more boutique studio. So I want to touch on this since I just left my job at my corporate studio gig. So let's get into it if you're curious about this. For the first good chunk of my career, I worked only at boutique studios. What's a boutique Pilates studio? This is usually has one owner. You're usually, um, it's usually smaller and the prices are usually more expensive. So you can expect to make more money at a boutique studio in most cases. So um, I can't speak across the board. I can only speak from my experience. Now, corporate studio, you're going to be making most likely a bit less than you're used to at a boutique. A couple of reasons. At a boutique, oftentimes you are an independent contractor with a 1099. In the States, that means you are your own business. You go in, you set your hours, you set your rate. That's not the case for a lot of boutique studios. Like technically their people should be employees, but anyway. It's a big loophole that a lot of studios still operate under. However, corporate studios, they are following the employment laws a little bit more by the book. So you're going to be a W-2 employee at a corporate studio for like Club Pilates, for instance. And that comes with a lot of benefits as well. So even though you're making a bit less, 
you have that security of a W-2. You also have a little bit this, this is a little harder harder to explain, but when you're working in a boutique studio for someone who like this is their passion, this is their brick and mortar, there can sometimes be a bit more uh, a, a li- little bit of a less of a line of professional uh, boundaries, if that makes any sense, where sometimes you can end up, you know, with people sort of crossing that line, like is it over friendship and with your studio owner, I mean, specifically, um, because it's just a little bit more intimate, you know, and sometimes that's what can be beneficial. And that might be something that really is a benefit for folks, but it also, if you're not someone who's great at setting boundaries, um, or you are a chronic people pleaser, it could end up putting you in some uncomfortable situations. Just from my experience, um, you know, I have had some negative experience at boutique studios. I've experienced some drama, some cattiness, some um, like click type behavior at boutique studios that I did not experience in corporate in the corporate world at Club Pilates. Now. Again, the downside of of working corporate is is definitely you're not going to be making as much money as you were at boutique. Um, But because you're making less, because they're charging the clients less in most cases. Now, don't get me wrong, Copilates is still very expensive, and it's you know something that is a privilege to be able to afford. You're looking at you know two hundred plus dollars per month for a membership at these places, um, which is close to like Equinox. But surprisingly, you know, that's affordable for Pilates. Like if you're looking at boutique, you're spending, you know, a ton at those studios. And because of that, you end up working and seeing bodies and humans from all different walks of life. When I worked in boutique studios, I noticed I was seeing kind of similar uh, income status, similar um, jobs and Not that there's, I'm not trying to say that there's anything wrong or shameful about that, um, but it was an experience I had. When I went to the corporate side at Club Pilates, I was able to connect with a lot of different people who I wasn't used to training. And that truly made me a better teacher um, because I was able to work with so many different uh, ages, experience levels, sizes, and um, backgrounds and language limitations. And these are all things that really can make you a better teacher because they, it kind of makes you learn to be more clear. It helps you to, um, just get into the shoes of more people from different backgrounds. So that's something I was really grateful for, um, in that space. Like I, that's why I prioritize that. When I decided to go back to teaching in a studio, I could have gone to the boutique direction, but the stability and again, that ability to experience so many different humans made it more beneficial to me. Now, I will say corporate studios like the one I was working at have a ton of rules. Now, this can still be the case for boutique. Um, And it really comes down to, because a lot of these are franchises, the rules can really be different in different scenarios, but 
a lot of these corporate studios have rules in place because they want the workout to be the same if someone takes it in a different state that they get a similar experience if they take it in another state. Like they want there to be a certain level of cookie cutterness to the workouts. And that's something that like I didn't really jive with. Like I I consider myself creative and I don't want to do the same thing all the time. And I also have a real passion for the classical Pilates. Um, this, you know, most corporate spaces are not classical, they're contemporary. So I, what I ended up doing, and if you're someone struggling with finding your own voice in some of these corporate spaces is I kind of did a little bit of both, you know, I followed some structure and some rules to make folks happy on the corporate side. And then I also allowed myself to break some rules and have a little bit of freedom. And as long as the clients are happy in my experience, like all the clients are enjoying your workouts, then you are most likely going to be okay. Now I can't guarantee because again, these are franchises. They all have different lead instructors, lead instructors, but your best bet is to, you know, give a little bit, even if um, it's something you're not used to, like for instance, you know, putting that headrest down or, you know, not letting people do certain exercises that aren't allowed at these corporate spaces. I would follow some of those rules and then give yourself also room to experiment and just see how it goes. The worst thing that happens is you get, you know, a review that's that where they tell you, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And that did happen to me. Um, but at the same time, my clients were really happy and 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 the results will beat anything else like if you're filling up your class no one can deny that that's a great class you know so that was a side of the corporate world that's different than boutique I feel like in a boutique studio you definitely have a bit more flexibility Um, you definitely in a lot of cases can do a lot of classical work since a lot of these spaces are more classical Uh, So that's another thing to consider in the corporate versus boutique world of teaching Pilates. Um, But I do think it's important to recognize that you're always your own business. You know, make sure you stand up for yourself, ask for what you want, and try not to compromise your values and your morals ever, because that's also a great way um, to lead you straight to burnout. And if you have a passion for having your own business, Like you just keep getting out there, get as many jobs in as you can, teach as many different bodies as possible, get as much experience as you can and start building your business on the side. You know, that's what I did. And here I am today able to do my business full time. So anyway, y'all, I'm so grateful that you listened and I promise to be back very soon with more podcasts. Okay. This is really fun for me, and I'm really glad that I'm able to do this again. I have some stuff coming. I have a new free guide on its way, so keep your eye out for that. If we're not already connected on Instagram, I would love to be. Send me a message if you have any questions. I'm always happy to answer. Don't forget to stand so tall and proud. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I would love to connect with you on social media, on Instagram or TikTok. You can find me at Ruth Pilates Studio, all one word. 
If you'd like to try out any of my classes, on-demand programs, and challenges, and join this community of bad bees across the globe, you can sign up today for a seven-day free trial. Just check out the show notes for the details. And lastly, remember to stand so tall and proud. Can't wait to talk to you next.